Coming up on the Louis Diaz podcast. You know, like I fell in love with that feeling of just being in over my head and just neck deep in something that was so unfamiliar. Hello, and welcome to the Louis Diaz podcast. Every day, I come across some of the most incredibly fascinating and authentic people from all walks of life. And together, we're inviting you in to be our special guest as we take you through some of their amazing experiences, adventures, and journeys. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Louis Diaz Podcast. So, Louis, where are we off to today? Uh, we're going to go to Africa. I think where my journey's really sort of kicked off and maybe also boot over to Mongolia for a little bit. Amazing. I can't wait. So, Africa's a big continent. Are we talking... <laughs> All of Africa? Or? We're, well, Tanzania specifically. Tanzania was a place that I, I lived for three and a half years and I kind of call it my home more than I call, you know, Australia my home. Um, intrinsically anyway, like in my heart, definitely. Cool. So where did the journey start? Take us all the way back. Well, I guess when we chatted about the idea behind the podcast and I, you know, I said to you, uh, my values are sort of non-linear living, that started for me a really long time ago um we hadn't spoken about it much but my family are jehovah's witnesses i grew up um and if you don't know much about jehovah's witnesses essentially you could sum it up by saying doomsday cult (laughs) um if you were going to be really nasty about it but uh so it was a it was a strange upbringing where um you know i sort of learned quickly to step outside of the immediate community um, and ideas and sort of venture out on my own. And through that, started to learn a lot about indoctrination, um, learn to sort of go out on my own and trust myself and, and follow my own ideas. And that continued to permeate throughout my high school. Um, you know, I grew up at a very, we grew up in a very athletic high school, footy players. Um, surfy kids. Surfy kids, yeah. And I, I, I sort of was a muso and just you know, always lived up in the hills and had dreams about traveling. And and finally, when I was able to go out on my own and and travel, the first place on my list was East Africa. And I headed to Tanzania when I was 22, um, when a lot of people I knew were going to Southeast Asia, because that's where you sort of went on your first big trip. Um, But I had ideas to go over there and and volunteer. And and once I got there, like it, my mind exploded, like it, it changed me forever, really. Wow, that sounds incredible. So right now, we're on the back porch. Has this been your family home for a long time? Um, Probably, yeah. I've always grown up in the hills, but this particular house, this my parents have been here since I was 18. Yeah, because um, this is a beautiful location. Like It's green, it's hilly, it's yeah, quiet. Uh, it's, it's lovely. I mean, I actually just live around the corner with, uh, you know, share a house with five people right in the National Park. And it's, uh, I, I couldn't think of anywhere else that I'd rather be in Victoria. Yeah, it kind of feels like a bit of a Lord of the Rings type of journey because this kind of feels a little bit like the Shire. It, it's what I tell people all the time. I'm like a hobbit coming back to the Shire, you know. And it's, it was funny that it wasn't until I left and people would constantly ask me about my home and I would describe, you know, the temperate rainforest and the National Parks that I really you know, develop that, I guess it's um, iconic ideas about home, like home is where the heart is and, and no place like home. Like they, those idioms sort of rang true to me when I was away. Like it really made sense and I, and I miss this place and I love coming home to it. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Well, that, I guess that's the beauty of home, right? It's coming home. Mm, definitely. Um, so you went to Africa when you were 22 as your first destination. How did you make up your mind to sort of go to Africa? Uh, I mean, I'd watched far too many Attenborough documentaries in my teens and also movies like Baraka and Samsara that really sort of gave me this wide-eyed sense of adventure. I just wanted to go places. And, and to me, the most sort of remote or the most intimidating place I could think of going as a as a 22-year-old was Africa. It just seemed like this mystery, you know, and everything I knew about the, you know, safaris and the animals. You know, I'm a big nature lover and a big animal lover. I was like that. It, it needs to be there, you know, like it needs to be in East Africa somewhere on a savannah. And um, as all my adventures, they start off as lazy sort of musings and then I, they move into maybe a bit of a rough idea. And then I just say, I'm going to book it. I'm going to do it and get out there and then see what happens. And that's sort of how it came about. So it turned from like a lazy musing into a rough idea into suddenly you're on a plane. Yeah, that's that's how most of my adventures happen. To be honest, I wouldn't say I'm the most uh, comprehensive planner. It's more just get myself there and work out what I'm going to do once I'm there. I mean, everyone's got their own sort of way of doing things, right? Yeah, or not way of doing yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so talk to us about that feeling when you're on that plane and you were going to this place that you probably hadn't seen much of ever. Yeah, um, I don't know. I was like... I guess because I was young and very naive, like I, I didn't really know what to expect. I remember like at the time thinking like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a bit of a fussy eater. What am I going to eat when I get there? You know, really sort of green thoughts that you just, you have no idea what you're really in for. And I, when I finally arrived in Tanzania I think it was like it was a 40 hour journey through multiple countries and small planes like a Cessna from Kenya to or Kenya to Tanzania with like you know chickens on board and stuff like it was a really strange experience and by the time I rolled up in Tanzania I had just had my luggage was missing I didn't have any malaria preventative but I was outside an airport that had closed with mosquitoes biting me and I was a little bit in over my head um but you know, like I fell in love with that feeling of just being in over my head and just neck deep in something that was so unfamiliar. Yeah, it can absolutely captivate you when you're in over your head sometimes, hey? Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, the, uh, East Africa especially, like the people, the, the, you know, they smile with their eyes. And although I was terrified and it was and night was approaching and I had no idea where, you know, my the company I was volunteering for were going to come and pick me up like the the people like it was my first experience of super friendly people in in a place that you know I had no idea about and like it's that that lateral experience and that you know my ideas around you know like a, it, it was it's a 50% Islamic country my ideas around religion my ideas around you know Africans and things like that they it's just it changed everything mm. yeah yeah went totally out of your comfort zone and you learned something completely different day one like that yeah absolutely so you were there volunteering and how long were you supposed to be volunteering for uh i was there for about over maybe about a month or three and a half weeks or something um teaching english in small schools in a town called moshi which sits just under kilimanjaro which is the africa's tallest mountain tallest freestanding mountain in the world 
Um, and it was, yeah, living in this like old two-story embassy building that had just been gutted um, and sort of walking through villages every day to go out to little schools and, and teach, um, teach in schools, you know, and, and, you know, the volunteering experience, I, I don't, I don't, I'm a bit skeptical on, on African NGOs now, knowing, having, knowing a little bit more about them and, um, or that's not fair, not African NGOs, but the NGOs that I dealt with, like I didn't actually now feel like I accomplished much as a volunteer, but I felt like I got everything out of that experience like it taught me a lot and you know I returned to Tanzania as a fully qualified teacher six or seven years later and spent three and a half years there um, which is where I felt I made a bit more of a difference for sure yeah so I guess the experience of volunteering itself maybe in that first instance didn't you didn't feel like you made as much of an impact as you wanted but it sort of put the fire in the belly if you will it definitely put the fire in the belly it's, so it served a purpose of sorts really yeah yeah it, it it just it it taught me a lot about myself and taught me a lot about the world um and definitely opened up the floodgates as far as my wants and desires to involve myself in lateral experiences like that yeah because let's face it i mean you were 22 right you could have gone on a kentucky tour yeah, yeah, I could have. Although, yeah, even back then, that didn't uh, didn't have that much desire for me. But, I mean, th- there was plenty of uh, there was plenty of um, frivolous activities when I went to Africa as a twenty two year old as well. Like, I certainly wasn't all uh, wasn't all about the cultural immersion and, and not as much as my later travel experiences. It definitely uh, definitely changed for me in my late twenties. So you did the month in Tanzania. You came back. And you had this, I guess, like I said before, fire in your belly. What happened? What was what, you came back here and you worked? Yeah, so I was uh, I was a year into an education degree, um, and I'd sort of got got into teaching because I didn't know what else I wanted to do. I was a musician before that, working in bars, but I knew that teaching sort of provided me the freedom with time to be able to do things and also if I wanted to travel which was a a bit of an idea before Tanzania that I would be able to travel with teaching and so when I came back I just wanted that degree finished and I just wanted to use it to travel and when I did finish the degree I did travel and I traveled a lot I moved to the Middle East for a year I did some work and traveled all through Southeast Asia and India um, and then finally got a job back in Tanzania and you know I was I was working as a as a teacher but I was trying to work as little as I can and take months off to go and do you know some adventures and 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 then I sort of formulated ideas about maybe bigger adventures um which is when I came up with the idea to hitchhike from the east coast to the west coast of Africa like through the southern countries and tell us about that I mean there, there's so much to tell and it was a it was a very, it was sort of a kickoff into a, a different type of travel for me. It was, you know, it, w- it was a bit more planning and, and still not as much as would have made people I know feel comfortable, but it was just an idea to, to get myself from one part of the continent to the other part to see as much as I could. There was so many beautiful things I wanted to do along the way and to then really sort of, again, put myself outside of that comfort zone, which was you know, the whole point of the trip, really, as much as it was seeing the beautiful things there, it was to teach me a lot about myself and, you know, um, 
that and that's where it started but th- i mean through that trip i spent time with mountain gorillas in uganda which is what turned me into becoming a photographer and i kayaked the okavango delta and camped in the delta went across the namib desert you know hitchhiked with a south african guy through into namibia and all the way across to the skeleton coast and you know saw so much of uh the southern section of that continent which it's it's I mean, I could I couldn't do it justice even talking about it. You know, I tried to with my with my photography, and and since I've had a back, I tried to a lot as well. But it's something that you have to go and experience. Like it's an experience. Yeah, you can't just tell someone about it. They need to go and experience it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like we were talking today about you know some of my favorite experiences. Like definitely, the thing that changed my direction was mountain gorillas in the southern section of Uganda, and that you know that's like traveling into a, it's called the Bwindi impenetrable forest and it's you just go into this like uh, out of the savannah where you're looking at tree lions and elephants and you come into this misty forest uh where you spend the night and you can just you can hear you know colobus monkeys and things around you and you you wake up and you walk out um and you just start walking up this hill um with some rangers and you know as the the nervous tension sort of starts to build and they know where the family's going to be you then sort of pop out somewhere and there's just a you know a large family of mountain gorillas sitting there and and for me that was just it was something I wanted to do for a long time it was a really surreal experience and there was a French guy there taking photos and I you know I sort of thought that's what I want to do like I want to take pictures of things you know I want to capture these moments and share them with other people and inspire them to go out there and and have those experiences too um and that's when I I moved home and uh, spent the money I had saved for a mortgage on a camera and a course so how many of your friends at the time thought you were crazy um uh, you know what I'm I'm really lucky I've got amazing friends that have always been incredibly supportive uh, but it's a constant battle for me to check in with myself if I'm crazy. You know, like I do, I, I do have funny ideas about things and, and I'm like, is, you know, is this the most sensible thing I should be doing or should I be, should I be following the wider community? And again, like, you know, with these ideas that I, I gained when I was younger, you know, sort of breaking outside of a, what I perceive to be a harmful community, I, I see things in society which I think for me personally, our level of indoctrination, you know, like that whole social milestone. Um, I need to have this by a certain age and this by a certain age. And so that's, you know, the, for me to sort of fly in the face of that and buy a camera and and now sort of think about leaving again. Like, yeah, it's a very, it's a very different idea. I'm, like my, my friends are very supportive though. <laughs> no, that's amazing. As long as you've got good support around you. Yeah, we can think we're crazy at times when we go on these journeys and... I guess all I could say to you is that I don't hear many stories of people's day-to-day lives that make the hairs on the back of my neck stand up like your journey through Africa with the gorillas just did. Yeah, right. Thank you. I got little shivers up my spine. The way you describe it as well is incredible. The misty forest and the monkeys. Yeah, so. it's, it's, it's an incredible place, you know, and, and you know, the other thing that, that those experiences taught me as well, like I'm, I'm, I'm really active as far as activism, as far as environmental activism and things like that, you know, and, and the, the best thing I think those experiences give you other than, you know, perhaps wanting something a little different for your life is an appreciation of our natural resources and how beautiful our planet is. 
And when you see places like that, you know, like the ideas of losing them is terrifying and you become far more concerned with conservation um, than perhaps if you've never experienced that. I mean, how could you? If you've, if you've grown up in an estate in, in the southeast suburbs of Melbourne, ideas of conserving, uh, you know, I think we have like 800 mountain grills left or something, you know, it's a very small amount. Uh, you, you wouldn't even think about it. It's not something that would cross your mind. So, so these lateral experiences, you know, they also, they change everything about you. Mm. So, you know, you talked about getting into photography, you talked about getting into um, filmmaking. How do you sort of use those crafts to share um, the experiences that you've had with um, other people? Oh, I mean, it's, it's, dif- it's difficult to, to use them. Like, I'm still really working that out myself, you know, trying to build a, an audience of people that even care about the sort of experiences that you have or these things is, is really tough. The way I try to use it is, um, you know, snap, snap these pictures and, you know, maybe write something that's, that's important. Um, I was in Tanzania again last Christmas one of the head elephant conservationists was assassinated and it was a time for me to, I felt, fly over and really use some of the skills that I'd learned, use the Swahili that I knew and try and have these discussions on camera about, you know, really complex conservation issues. Um, and I, I'm stitching together a short film at the moment. I think it's, it'll only be like eight or nine minutes long, but, you know, and hoping to partner with conservation organisations. So using using the camera to to try and tell a powerful and important message um and and i don't know that i always do that that well but i for me personally i just think that yeah i could use it it could go one of two ways right i I could shoot i could learn to shoot models in in bali or something like that and get millions of instagram followers or you know i could go over there and shoot elephants and and you know leopards and things like that and try and tell important conservation stories and and to me that's that's the point of photography is to tell and inspire people to get out and see things for themselves or to look at things in a in an inspirational way yeah so i I had a look at some of your footage um just briefly before on your computer and like the imagery looks so bright colorful like vibrant you can really feel the energy um of the places that you're capturing through some of those close-up shots that you use as well um, on the feet walking along it's almost like I could hear the, the, the sound of like footsteps on gravel or something like that mm. um, so it, I mean it certainly looks like you've polished up your craft a little bit and there's no doubt in my mind that people would love to watch your documentary do you know what it's going to be called yet it's it's got a working title at the moment um, yeah it it is and has been called full-bellied morals, um, essentially because I flew over there trying to project my ideas of what conservation and what poaching meant to a Westerner from Australia. And I very quickly learn about how complex the issues are in Tanzania, poaching issues uh, and what happens at the lower level and the ideas around poverty and and the working title full-bellied morals sort of came about from you know understanding that it's pretty easy for us to project our sense of of morals onto issues as people that don't have an issue eating or finding food or looking after our children and that you know perhaps we should be investing rather than telling people how to 
can serve, maybe investing a bit of more time into local people and helping them fix their own issues and, you know, rather than sort of saying that we know better. Um, so it was a bit, it's, 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 you know, the film's changed a bit recently. I've, I've had a few help from some friends and cut it and got rid of a few things. So it's still taking its shape, but, um, hopefully at the very least it will inspire people, which is what I would like it to do. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. So you were 22, you went to Tanzania, you came back, finished your degree, went back to Tanzania and Africa and did some great work over there. And it feels like your journey is sort of taking you on a path where you've become more and more passionate about conservation and sharing those messages. And so what's next? What's next on the journey? Sure. Um, well, it's, it's funny. So that time in Tanz- Tanzania that I spent recently, you know, last Christmas and my ideas around poaching, really uh put a fire back in my belly for those lateral experiences and travel and i think having moved back to melbourne melbourne's got a way of sucking you back into it you know and it's a very hard place to live if you're not working constantly and try to make money and um i came back from that with you know just some big ideas about getting out of here again and you know putting myself out of that comfort zone and learning a bit more and and i just kind of felt that uh, you know, I, I don't have a mortgage. I don't have children. Um, and I was in a long-term relationship at the time. Um, and I just felt very stagnant, like I wasn't moving forward. And I, I kind of thought to myself that, you know, the world doesn't need people to just sit still. Um, and I felt there was a lot more to be learned. So I, you know, I had a very, very understanding partner at the time, a Canadian girl that, that moved back to Canada and, um, has has you know is studying sustainability now and she was extremely supportive and that's allowed me to sort of formulate my ideas to go to Mongolia which I'll be doing in about six weeks to shoot some uh, photography on a horse riding trek and hopefully learn a bit about horses and and the the aim would be to sort of maybe uh, get my own horses at some point and do a bit of trekking around Mongolia on my own shooting pictures there um that's you know the standard louis idea of amusing that might turn into something you know like it's uh it's it's sort of coming about and i'll get off the plane again and and see where i'm taken to it's good at least you've got a rough idea and you know that you're flexible enough to sort of go with the flow whereas you know it's not like an itinerary you know that you plan it's like all right this is what i want to do we'll see what happens yeah, yeah, and I like I'm a firm believer that you know the really important things in life they happen when you're out of that comfort zone. Like if you're not feeling challenged, if you're not feeling scared and terrified, then you're probably not. You know, you don't. Ha- I don't have big enough ambitions, you know, and that and that's I grew really comfortable being back here, and I don't think I need comfort. Not not yet, anyway. Like at the moment, comfort it's not it's not giving me anything. I think I need to be you know, out of that comfort zone again and, and sort of learning a bit more and experiencing a bit more and hopefully doing some good while I'm on those experiences as well. Yeah, it sounds incredible. So six weeks to Mongolia. So I think I caught up with you, well, bumped into you really, like for the first time maybe three or four weeks ago. And yeah, I hadn't seen you in so many years. No, it was at the uh, the Equinor protest, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, at the Equinor protest. You were there filming. That was, to be honest, my very first protest just happened to be around the corner from where I live um, but I actually saw some stuff on Instagram from a guy that we both know and you work 
pretty closely with at times Matthew Hannon. Yep, Matty. Matty. And yeah, I was like, oh yeah, that looks like a really good thing to be involved in. And when you told me about your trips to Africa and your upcoming trip to Mongolia and that you were going in six weeks, I was just like, seriously, I must catch up with Lewis. I must catch up with him and talk about this stuff and podcast it. So look, I just want to say a massive thanks for um, taking time out of your day, your weekend to be here and share these stories with me and the rest of the world. Oh man, um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. I'm not sure who's going to be listening just yet, but I know whoever does listen, um, you are in for a treat. Um, and what I want to do with you guys is to share some, like some of Lewis' photography and uh, maybe a little snippet of his upcoming film potentially on the website so that you guys can um, get behind him and follow along on his journeys as he continues to trek around the world out of the comfort zone, li- living the... The non-linear living. <laughs> the non-linear living, yeah. And I think um, every one of us needs to experience, at least for a little bit in our lives, a bit of non-linear living so that we can you know, develop an appreciation for um, the actual world around us rather than the, the world on our phone screens or our TV screens, right? Yeah, it'd be lovely. I mean, that's the aim. Is there anything that you wanted to leave our listeners with before we um, pack it up today? Um, uh, I don't know. That's a that's a pretty tough question. Loaded. I guess, look, as I said before, the aim with the photography and things like that is that there are a wealth of experiences out there. Um, I know that my the way I seek down experiences is not for everybody as well. But, um, you know, there are important th- lessons to be learned, especially here with nature in regard to conservation. I mean, I think it's the most important time in human history to care about wildlife and nature. Um, and that I guess I would reinforce, you know, through whatever medium you can to sort of learn about those things and, and work on conserving them. Amazing. So where can people um, find your content and um, follow you? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly instagram based unfortunately i haven't found another way to, to do things yet but uh it's just sonder underscore media so s-o-n-d-e-r yeah underscore media media i think you guys know how to spell media well um look it's been amazing sitting out here on your, the back porch of your family house with the beautiful birds and um you really did take me away to a different place on your journey today so i just want to say a big thanks lewis let's uh, shake on it Cool, man. Thanks. Thank you. Very nice to hang out. Yeah, definitely. And let's give it a... I think I do this... I did this in my practice runs. I just do a customary round of applause when we finish a podcast. So on three, one, two, the three. both of us. Yeah, yeah. I'm let's do it. Myself, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm applauding you. I'm applauding you. Cheers, bud. Thank you. Cool, Thank man. you. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Louis Diaz podcast. To find out more about any of our guests and catch additional photos and content from this episode, simply visit louisdiaz.com forward slash podcast or find us on Instagram at louisdiaz.podcast.